Sifter for the ear. News, interviews, reviews, cinema, TV, streaming, action. Hi, y'all. This is Jerry Williams, a.k.a. TV Jerry. If you heard my interview on last week's Open Source RVA, I said I'd be featuring the makers of CryptoZoo this week. Well, I got my days confused, and they'll be next week. Meanwhile, this week... You know, I think for us involved, it was actually quite pleasant. Really? Oh, good. <laughs> it was, well, it was like a wedding reception with 350 people at it. It was, <laughs> you got to actually talk to people and, and enjoy yourself, and there was no pressure. That was local production designer David Crank talking about his experience at last year's Oscars, where he was a nominee. On today's show, we'll go deeper into the Oscars, plus talk about his work on numerous films. Sifter Review of the Week. Rise, Roar, Revolt. This movie is fantastic fun. It revolves around two men who become best friends. Meanwhile, they secretly work to overthrow the colonial imperialists who are still dominating India in the 20s. What makes the story exciting is the way it's told. The action scenes easily rival any from Hollywood. There are moments of beautiful visual imagery. Enjoyable songs are peppered throughout, which includes a dizzying dance number. The two leads are close to superheroes in strength, deed, and determination, while the British villains are so evil they're almost twirling their metaphorical mustaches. In typical style of the genre, the emotions are overblown, with acting to match, but they're still effective. Even with a completely predictable story and a three-hour length, there's so much to enjoy that it continually entertains in a big way. I gave it five out of five stars. David Crank is a production designer and art director who's also a Richmond native. His resume includes designs for films like Hannibal, The New World, John Adams, There Will Be Blood, Knives Out, and News of the World, for which he was nominated for an Oscar for Best Production Design. Join me now for our conversation. David, as you know, there was a big hoopla this year about eight categories being awarded off camera for the Oscars, including the category you were in last year, production design. So what did you think of the outcome from last night? (laughs) I mean, I could tell they were slipped in. I don't know. Probably most people couldn't. But, you know, I thought it was fair. I mean, they didn't just relegate them to some little quick little, and here's this award and here's this award. They got their full speech and they got, you know, they got the full credit. They didn't have the walk up and they didn't show all the uh, excerpts. Right. I mean, the other thing, though, is you're not doing it in front of the big crowd. Right. Because the red carpet's going on. So all those people in the front seats weren't the right people. (laughs) If you notice, they always showed them from the back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just feels to me, if you're going to do it, do it. I mean, give give everybody their chance up there. And, you know, there was a lot of stuff last night could have been trimmed and nobody would have missed it. Right. Who did you vote for? Are you allowed to tell us that? My grandfather told me I never had to tell anybody who I voted for. It was the one thing in my life I didn't have to tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that means you're not going to tell us whether you I'm voted for Dune or not. Okay. Footnote. In case you weren't watching or haven't read, Dune won the production design Oscar this year. One idea about Dune, though, I mean, obviously it was pretty amazing looking, but you have to wonder how much of that was CGI versus how much, and of course, production design still is involved in CGI, but as opposed to actually building things. You know, it's different on every film, too, as to what the handshake between design and and CGI is, and some of them it's very intertwined, and both sides are part of it, and sometimes it's all done after we're finished, and you know, you watch, you go, oh, that's what they did. Something like that, you know, a huge part was going to be CG. So I would hope and have suspected that early on they were meeting and talking and, and saying what it was going to be. 
Actually, it's interesting you mention it because one of the films that Steven Soderbergh did last year was called The Laundromat with Meryl Streep and a bunch yeah. of other oh, that, people. Right. Then at the end, they revealed the whole thing was shot in the studio and they were on beaches and they were in you know, all these locations. How is CGI affecting your job? And you think it'll ever just eliminate the need for production designers altogether? No. I mean, it might on a certain kind of film, but it's still expensive and it's still a lot to work out. And I don't know, you never hear actors saying they love doing green screen. <laughs> Sitting in a green <laughs> screen. How much they hate it. Yeah, um, yeah. I personally think there's going to be films, Marvel films, et cetera, that that's makes sense. That's how you have to do those. You can't. Sure. So to me, it's like, if it's worked out well, it's a win-win situation from both sides. It opens your world up. Yeah, and I think the examples I know from your work is like if you might build a building and then the background, you couldn't put the mountains behind it. So you CGI right. the mountains. I and mean, that's just a random yeah. example. But... Or take the mountains out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Give our audience a definition of what's the difference between a production designer and an art director, because a lot of people think it's kind of the same thing. Don't ask my parents. So basically, you have an art department, and the production designer is the head of the art department. Right. The production has an art director under them and a set decorator under them. And the art director deals with everything that's being built or painted or altered or greens or whatever. And the set decorator deals with everything that is decorating or, you know, furnishings or furniture. You know, the, everywhere you do it, it's slightly different as to who does what. You know, in England, for some reason, the set decorators have to do carriages. I don't never understood that one. <laughs> Why can't I ask your parents about that? Because no, nobody can ever get it straight. Oh, <laughs> they'll always call me production director. Oh, well, or art designer. I mean, I've never heard it. those. That's funny. So what was your experience like last year? You actually went to the Oscars. We saw you on screen there. What was that like? Of course, it was the COVID year, so it was a mess. But what was that like for you, that experience overall? You know, I think for us involved, it was actually quite pleasant. Really? <laughs> oh, good. It was, well, it was like, a you know, a wedding reception with 350 people at it. It was, you got to actually talk to people and, and enjoy yourself and there was no pressure. So it was back all about the people making the movie. We got to stay out in the patio area and eat and drink and talk to people for two hours before we had to go in for our one little bit, which lasted like 40 minutes. You know, normally they have all these events that lead up to it where right. you meet the other people in your category. None of that could happen. We did have a, a Zoom with just the nominees. You know, so we they get to me, but it was very nice to be there actually in the room, and you got to have nice conversations with people. But it just wasn't that high pressure thing and loud and a lot of people. So from our standpoint, it was probably pretty nice. And did you have a speech prepared? Oh, kind of, but I knew Mank would win, so I didn't practice in front of the mirror. But, well, <laughs> so. oh, that's good. but at least you had one, because you know, as a professional, you know, you expect anybody—actors, directors, yes. designers. Because they get them say, oh, I never thought I'd win. I didn't prepare anything. It's like, come on, you're nominated. The no, least you, you can you, do is put... You've you know. made a list. <laughs> exactly. You, you really shouldn't have been nominated. It was interesting. Only one of us could speak. There were two different time limits on that. There was the actor's timeline. And there was everybody else's timeline. Right, right. By the way, we should probably just mention that you were co-nominated for that. You want to give yes. her a little shout out? Elizabeth Keenan, my decorator. That's the for production design. It's the designer and the set decorator together. How did you find out when you were nominated? I mean, I was watching television. Oh, you were watching parents. it like everybody else. Okay. Yeah. I have to give my dad insulin in the morning, so I was there with him. He was only worried that the lady who was um, announcing it, he thought she was pregnant. <laughs> That's all he was interested in. I think she's not telling us something. 
She's had a giant dress on. I don't, no. I don't know why he didn't say anything about me being nominated. She's pregnant, I think. Uh, oh, and yeah, by the way, congratulations, son. <laughs> well, you, you mentioned your father and taking care of him. I know you're a Richmonder, born and raised. Yeah. You went to Manchester High School. Yeah. When did you finally, when did you, uh, hold it one second, We're talking about your career and talking about that. Surprise guest drop in. Oh, my God. Gosh. Hey, David. Hi there. Welcome. Thank you for dropping in. <laughs> Don't drag anybody into this thing, won't they? Footnote. Jack Fisk is a veteran production designer and art director who himself was Oscar nominated for The Revenant in 2015 and for There Will Be Blood in 2007. He's also designed eight of Terrence Malick's films and two for Brian De Palma. Jack, You're thanks big... for coming in. First thing I want to ask you is... How did you meet David? And what was your first impression when you did meet David? Oh, boy. This is a family audience, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I met David when I came to Richmond to work on, what is it? What was it, David? The, the New World. <laughs> the New World. New World. Footnote. The New World was a Terrence Malick film shot in 2005. It followed Captain Smith and the Jamestown Colony and was shot in Jamestown. He was a local art director that I heard about. He came in for an interview. And we talked for about 40 minutes. And it was so pleasant. And he told me about building the Jamestown Fort with popsicle sticks as a kid. And that kind of made me want to work with him. At the end of the meeting, he said, do you want to see my portfolio? And I said, I don't need to see it. I want to work with you. I'm attracted to people that are filled with joy. And it's made it fun to go to work with David, because no matter how difficult it gets on a production, he always smiles. <laughs> He's always happy. He always finds the good in everything. And it's just the most pleasant atmosphere to work in. So you asked me to tell a funny story, but I can't think of a funny story exactly. Do you have because, a sad story uh, or an outrageous story? <laughs> <laughs> a, a crazy story. Dave and I are working on a film in Oklahoma. We were there for several months and there's only a few places to shop in to buy clothing. And a local person invited us to a dinner party. David and I showed up. And to my shock, we had exactly the same clothes on, yeah. same belt, same shirt, same pants. But it made me think that, you know, our aesthetics are kind of in tune on this show. <laughs> he didn't finish that like. story. I said, this is absolutely ridiculous. And he said, no, what's ridiculous is that neither one of us is going to bother to change. <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't. We just waited. It took him till dessert before everybody realized we had the same clothes on. <laughs> yeah. So, Jack, you're still in Virginia. You're still up there in horse country. Is that correct? I am. I'm up in the Piedmont area. It's, it's lovely. I love it. I, I first came to Virginia in fourth grade, then moved away for a while and then came back after I was married. And, and we've just loved you here. Now, are you still working or have you decided, okay, it's time to just chill and enjoy the beautiful scenery? That's never going to happen. <laughs> no, I love working. I, you know, the joy in my life is like going to work and solving problems. And that's kind of what we do is, is production designers. The saddest thing is now that David's, you know, he's doing all of his own big films and I, I don't get to work with him on a daily basis, but it, it sure was fun. So what'd you think of last night, Jack? Did you watch the show? Up here in Charlottesville, we don't get the uh, ABC, so I didn't see it. Wow. But I heard about it on my phone. But actually, we did talk about the fact that the eight categories were shorted, but they had a full presentation. You probably heard by now. I think the Academy is trying to figure out what it is. You know, is it an entertainment company or is it an association of filmmakers? You know, by shorting out those companies, especially the production design, I thought they really did themselves a disservice. Jack, I signed that letter with you. 
Oh, good. I told you to sign it in all capital letters, so it sounded like I was yelling. <laughs> Which letter is this? I, uh, I don't know who originated the letter. To the Academy complaining that they're doing this? Yeah, ask them to reinstate it. I waited till I made sure Jack signed it before I did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just want him to straighten up a little bit. Any final words for David? He's always got a final word for me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to have final words with David. I want to keep talking to him for a long time. So. <laughs> terrific. Terrific. That's yeah. always going to happen. This has been great. David, well, thank it's you. So good to see you. Yes. Smiling. Nice to see a big J on my screen. Yeah, we didn't get to see your face, but thank you for your big J, Jack. Well, and, you could have uh, seen it, but I heard it was a non-video thing. So I, I it was did. smart. Yeah, I didn't clean up. <laughs> okay, you guys have a wonderful day. Thank you thank so you. much. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. So he mentioned the popsicle story. Why don't you tell everybody the popsicle story? You know, the funny thing is, I really hope that popsicle story is true. It's what I remember. But I, <laughs> <laughs> I went through my parents' slides. I couldn't find any picture of it. I thought somebody else told me they remembered it, though. Well, there you so go. We had to build something in the fourth grade, I think, for Virginia history. And it, I built the, the fort. I just remember the grass and the ground had to be made out of flour and salt. And I was very unpleased because it would not accept my paint very well. Oh, yeah, really? <laughs> That's yeah. the part I remember. <laughs> so then that obviously did translate. I mean, you talked about that and you ended up doing the New World, which ironically, you ended up building some of those forts. Yes, I got to build a fort. <laughs> which is kind of cool. Um, it was cool. You know, Jack was like the perfect person to do that movie because he's very interested in history. He's very interested in research. And then he wants to put it down and he wants to get out there and make it. Right. And that's, you know, the way they made Jamestown. It wasn't done from plan. So it was fun because we just, we, I would draw up a lot of different versions of houses because we worked with the people from Jamestown to kind of find out what styles the houses were done in. And then we would take it from there and we'd go out and we'd mark on the ground and say, this is the size of the house. And there's a door here and it's a window there and here, and, and then make the carpenters just build it. And, you know, there was a certain learning curve with that because they're very used to having plans and they're very used to using levels and straight edge. And, you know, you didn't want them to do any of that. You just wanted them to right. build it like you would, would have to do. So after the first week and a half, everybody kind of got over the nervousness. because Everybody had a great time. I and mean, there were guys go out and get kindling every day. There were guys making mud. There were guys cutting cattails for the roofs. And it really was like a really fun summer camp. So you were in New York for almost 10 years there in the 80s and 90s. What shows did you do in New York? Not many. I went kind of solely because I just thought that it's something I should do. But I did one big Broadway show. It was an Andrew Lloyd Webber show, which was incredibly fun. Which one was that? Aspects of Love. It was, and it was okay. the same lady who designed Phantom of the Opera. So right. you knew it was going to be first class because of, of who was involved with it. And, and it was. It was like a nine-month job, and it was incredible. Then started going back to designing in theater. I was living in New York, but I really went everywhere else to do my job. And just, sure. And it finally got to the point that I think the last year I was there, I was there in New York for like three weeks. And I was like, well, this is kind of dumb. So that's when I moved back to Richmond. It rents a and lot cheaper here. It's a lot cheaper here. And, and movies were starting to pick up here. So it kind of worked. And then I met Jack in 2005 and I worked with him for about five years. Now, what was your first gig as an art director, scene painter, whatever? First time on a movie set. I know you did theater. I started as a scenic artist and I started that back in the mid eighties. You know, there wasn't but so much coming through here at the time. And sure. it was on that mini series, The Murder of Mary Fagan. Right. I remember it. Footnote. The Murder of Mary Fagan was shot here in 1987 and starred Jack Lemmon, Cynthia Nixon and Kevin Spacey. 
And I was working at the theater at the museum at the time. Well, that, that was the Virginia Museum Theater or Theater Virginia? It was at that Virginia point. Museum Theater okay. the first year I worked there and then it switched to Theater Virginia. Okay. So this was, it was a summer job. And then I did a, two more jobs as a painter when I was kind of transitioning from doing theater to film. And then um, I did one called Mississippi Masala right. that we shot in Mississippi and also Uganda. Footnote. Mississippi Masala was shot in 1990. It's about an ethnic Indian family that was expelled from Uganda and ended up, well, it should be obvious. It starred Denzel Washington. I was the scenic charge on that one, and a friend of mine was the art director. And it turned out he got a job designing, and he couldn't go do the African portion. So I stepped up and went as the art director to Uganda. So that was kind of my first real job as an, as an art director. Are you ever able to watch a movie or watch a TV show without looking at the background, looking at the paintings, the props and all that? Or do you just, that's just part of the job? Yeah, no, I actually, I don't tend to look at them too much now. I mean, I find if you are looking at them, it's probably because the movie's not working right. (laughs) It's a good movie. You really don't pay attention to it. Yeah, well, speaking of that, I know one of the most recent movies that you uh, did, of course, was Knives Out. Footnote. Knives Out was a whodunit from 2019, starring Daniel Craig, Jamie Lee Curtis, Chris Evans, and Christopher Plummer. You actually used three different locations for the one big mansion that they lived in. Why did you have to use three different places? Well, the main house, they had actually, I think, looked at the main house, the producer and the director, through photographs, I think. And it it really was perfect. There was no library in that house. So oddly enough, it just didn't have that one big room that all that questioning needed to go on. Also, you know, theirs upstairs was very small. It was weird. It was windy and you couldn't really get film well up on their second floor. So we ended up building the second floor landing and the third floor. It's two set in a studio. And of course, then the big image in that show that everybody talks about is the big ring of knives. And I know yeah. that Gemma Jackson, who you worked with on John Adams, Friend of mine. Yeah, <laughs> yes. who actually went on to design Game of Thrones, but your ring of knives was totally different and actually started out differently, right? Completely differently. I never even thought of, you know, I'd even, I even visited her on the set of Game of Thrones and I sat in that chair and I never thought about that chair. Wow. From what I remember, and I should go back and check this sometime in the script, it just said a knife display is all it said. Then we went through, this was like the maybe the fourth iteration. It wasn't really just a complete circle of knives. It actually, it went off on one side and kind of made a swoop around. And you, you talk about uh, last minute things. I know that there was another thing where you had to do a paintings. It was supposed to be paintings of people who lived in the house, but you didn't know who was going to be playing the part yet. So right. it was the Christopher Plummer part. They didn't sign him until like nine or 10 days before we were shooting. It was a, quite a task to think we were going to get two oil paintings done in 10 days. We tried the thing and then it was just decided we would put a green screen in the frame. We built the frame and they put the green screen up. And then when he was there, they did a proper photo shoot of him. And then somebody made the painting afterwards and they inserted it into it. Footnote. In case you didn't know, the most common use of a green screen is for the weather. The weather forecaster is standing in front of it and they electronically insert the background. It's used in movies all the time. And then, of course, the movie that you did that was nominated for the Oscar was News of the World for Paul Greengrass. And I know you had to create a whole town for that. They had already chosen Santa Fe area. There are four little towns there were four what they call movie ranches i mean they've been built for films so we looked at them because we had five towns i think it was to do 
after looking at them, we decided to try to do the first three towns in the same town, which was great because it meant we could work on that one town and get it ready. And then we just, the, the DP and I very carefully worked out how you would enter the town for each version so that it would feel like a different town. Uh-huh. And we talked about how it would be extended uh, with CG. We had green screens like at the end of the street when sure, they were in right, Dallas because right. they had to extend the streets because right. it's really like a block in four directions is yeah. what you get. <laughs> but it meant they would shoot a town. They'd go away for five days, shoot the piece of story till they get to the next town. They come back again. So we'd have to be flipping this town in like five days and make it into the new place. Wow. Wow. Speaking of news in the world and Tom Hanks, you actually worked with him on the film right before that Greyhound, which very few people saw. And I thought it was a really riveting film. Footnote. Greyhound starred Tom Hanks as a Navy commander who led the Allied convoy across the Atlantic during World War II. But that was one when you were talking about CG. I mean, it was... 75% CG and 20 yeah. because we built all the interiors, but it was odd to build something, you know, that nothing outside the window was there. And the director was very, very particular about, I mean, he set and mapped out for the entire script where the boat was going to be in every scene and where all the rest of the boats in the ocean were. So it's a lot of really little technical work like that. That's, I don't think people think about, but you've got to get the lighting right on it. You've got to get everybody's eye line in the right place. We built the interior of the wheel room on stage. And then there was the actual boat was in Baton Rouge. And they did a lot of filming on the boat. All the deck stuff was done on the real boat. Greyhound and News of the World both starred Tom Hanks. And I know in an article in 2000, Style Magazine, somebody asked you about, do you ever get to meet any of the stars? That was because you were working on Hannibal at the time. Oh, right. And they said the sum total of your movie star interaction thus far, the quote was, Julianne Moore smiled at me. That's about it. <laughs> Do you ever get a chance? I mean, obviously you're in the production design, so the actors don't directly interact with you. But do you have you ever? Do you ever have a story of a cool story of an actor or somebody you've had a chance to meet or work with or said something about your yeah. work or anything? You meet them, you get introduced to them, and they speak to you, and it's um, you know, it, it, they'll say hello to you when they pass you on the set. Jamie Lee Curtis is very nice to me. She used to speak to me every time she saw me. When she found out I did John Adams, she was like my best friend. Oh, wow. Cool. You know, actually, I I interviewed her for Trading Places back when I was still Mm -hmm. working for Channel 6. And we actually happened to be wearing matching colors. Oh, really? And we did this whole little thing about our colors. And she was she is a delightful woman. She's very nice. She's very nice. Jamie Lee Curtis is uh, with me this time to talk about uh, Trading Places. Jamie. Darling. Yes, dear. We I are saw so you. chic together. Don't we look wonderful? The colors, I'm Red sorry. Red and gray combination. Really a here. wonderful color combination. Uh, you're sidetracking. We only have five minutes. Yes, sir. Because she always came out and hung out in the kitchen with the lady who owned the house. She came in, she put her yogurt in the refrigerator and sat down at the kitchen table. Hopefully she had that, whatever that yogurt is she was selling. Yeah, I but, think so. <laughs> I had cases of it somewhere. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Do you have a favorite property? you ever put Easter eggs on a set? Uh... No. <laughs> well, now, now there is your face in John Adams. You want to tell us that quick story? Footnote. John Adams was an HBO series about the founding father. It was shot here in 2007 and won multiple Emmys and Golden Globes. We had to do a replica of the uh, signing of the Declaration of Independence by Trumbull that's up in the Capitol. And there were two people standing in the middle of the group of people who weren't in our movie. And so at the last minute, the other art director and myself were the only ones without a beard. They took our pictures and they interposed them in between the uh, two actors. And I remember I, was, I had the cut out test sample of it. 
my parents came and I said, mom, do you recognize anybody in this? She looked at it and she goes, no. I said, well, that's me. And she goes, could be. (laughs) (laughs) So where's that painting now? Do you know? The painting got sent and hung for a long time in the uh, lobby at HBO. I don't know where it is now. Huh. I don't know what you do with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you could put it in your house, hang it on it the wall. It was like 12 by 20 or something. It was, it oh. was huge. Oh, okay. Yeah. That, you put it on a whole wall in your house. Exactly. <laughs> so what can you tell us about Ray and Raymond? What was fun about working on that? Footnote. Actually, it's Raymond and Ray and was shot here last year. It stars Ethan Hawke and Ewan McGregor as two half-brothers who reunite at their father's funeral. It'll be released later this fall on Apple TV. One thing was nice is it only had 13 locations, which is excellent. Oh, that's good for you, huh? Okay. Um, The director, Rodrigo Garcia, had written it. He's a really lovely man and kind of wicked smart. And so that's always nice to be around somebody who's smart. But he was really nice to work with because you would show him things and he would take a second and, you know, you could tell whether he was questioning something, but then he would tell you what he liked and what didn't work and what was missing. So he was always very concise, never ugly about it, never dismissive about anything. Just a nice bunch of people. And it was one of the first projects, especially of a small one like that, that there was actually the story suited the budget we had. And so Uh there was never a question that you could get done what you needed to do. What's nice from our standpoint is it was all completely character driven. Every single thing had to be something. And that's just a whole lot more interesting from our view of working is that you, I, I, when I get scripts about things that are romantic comedies, I, I wouldn't know what to do with them. <laughs> it's like, those, you know, they're just places that there's right. these people around and, that, and it's fine. And I don't think that's bad, but I just am like, if you don't understand that you're the person's, you're trying to show what the person who lives in the house is, right. I don't know what you do with it. So what is next for you? I don't know. I'm, I'm reading scripts. I'm, my dad is still here, so I need to stay for a while. And um, I'm interviewing for things that are kind of further off in the distance, like in the fall or maybe the beginning of the next year. Which I've been asked to do a big eight-part thing about the World's Fair of Chicago in 1893. Well, that would be fun. That'd be a lot of history in that yeah, one. Yeah, no, that, yeah. it would be great fun. It's, it's it I talked with Paul Greengrass the other day. He has a movie, but they need to start in May. And I, I just am not available to go, unfortunately. It, right, I right. broke my heart, but... Footnote. Paul Greengrass was the director on News of the World, which earned David his Oscar nomination. He's best known for directing several of the Jason Bourne movies. I know you uh, you have a website where you sell your personal art. Do you still, when you get a chance, sit down and, and do some painting or some drawing? Just for fun, not for money? Yep. Of course, money is always good. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> but, but unfortunately, it probably is more for my own enjoyment. <laughs> Well, that's good. That's good. I enjoy it. And it's a kind of a nice thing to do in conjunction with with work. And the good thing is you don't have a director or producer saying, no, you can't do that. You can do whatever you want to do. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So something I always ask everybody on this show is what are you watching now? Oh, you know what? I am like the shoemaker's children. (laughs) When I do watch things, I tend at the moment, I tend to like to watch documentaries. I, I find those very interesting. So it's been fun, and I appreciate you've been great on this. This has been wonderful. Thanks for getting Jack. That was nice. (laughs) Thank you, David. Thank you. Coming soon in theaters. The big one opening Friday is Moribus. Jared Leto becomes the Marvel anti-hero with a form of vampirism. Barbarians, where four friends meet for dinner, but a home invasion ruins the meal. 
And now that it won an Oscar for Best Picture and was my favorite, Coda has been re-released into theaters, which is especially helpful if you don't want to subscribe to Apple. TV and streaming. Moon Knight on Disney on March 30th. A former Marine is granted powers by an Egyptian moon god. It stars Oscar Isaac. Moonshot on HBO Max on the 31st. Zach Braff plays an entrepreneur colonizing Mars. Also on HBO Max, Julia with Sarah Lancashire playing the cooking show pioneer Julia Childs. On April 1st, Slow Horses drops on Apple with Gary Oldman as one of several disgraced MI5 agents. Outlaws on Amazon. Christopher Walken stars as one of seven strangers who are forced together to complete a community service. Apollo 10 and a Half, A Space Age Childhood drops on Netflix. It features the stories of a 10-year-old boy that includes his fantastical account of a journey to the moon. Bubble, also on Netflix, an anime about gravity-defying bubbles raining down and isolating Tokyo from the rest of the world. On April 3rd, it's the Grammys on CBS. And on April 4th and 5th, Ken Burns' new documentary on Ben Franklin airs on VPM. That's all the sifter for this week, and I promise next week we will meet the makers of CryptoZoo. For more sifter, including literally thousands, thousands of, of reviews, reviews, visit tvjerry.com. That's a wrap.